Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Not too bad. I'm having some fun. I, um, I'm trying to sell my MacBook Air because I no longer need it because I've got a MacBook Pro. And I put it on Facebook Marketplace. I think we discussed last, well, previous episodes about that's the only use I use it. And I've almost been... It's almost, it's almost comical, rather, like gobsmacked, that's what I was going to say, at how many fake buyers there are that come in there and they, they pretend to transfer the money to you using Monzo, Tide, any of these sort of online banks that we have here in the UK. And then they send you a fake proof of payment. And, I mean, the one, the, the, the content's sophisticated to the point that it says send it, they'll, they'll hold the money in escrow for you in quote commas, until you send them the tracking code and you post the the device to them. But they've used a Gmail account as the account they've sent the email from. And it's like and, and the text is wrong and all the stuff. And, and I've literally said to the to the guy, I mean, if you're gonna fake the stuff, at least do it properly. <laughs> like like you know, I mean you just wasted like half an hour of my time going back and forwards, answering all your questions, blah 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 blah. You know, are you real or not? That's that's you know that's that's how I'm starting these questions. So I actually I'm just going to pull it off here and, and just I don't know um, find another way to sell it. Could it just be so yeah. vigilant? That's crazy. Um, Facebook Marketplace only sh- that's semi-local, right? Like it only shows your ad to people in an area. Is that right? I haven't used it. Yeah, that's that's the idea. Is that you like I'm, I'm in my area, a member of a few groups that that, that uh, we post stuff to and and look at stuff. And um, in theory, the people you're speaking to would be nearby. Uh, but this, it's interesting because if I like if I were in like I sold the lawnmower the other day, um, it either was people in my area friends that I knew that came back and said oh yeah I'll pick it up from you that sort of thing but since I've put on a laptop I've had people from Birmingham from Leeds from Canada and it's like mm, Canada <laughs> all of a sudden all of all of a sudden suspicious and why, and why would you buy, you know and I said to them I go why would you buy a laptop from the UK in Canada if it's 15% cheaper in the US because of the taxes you know it doesn't make any sense to so um so yeah it's a, it's, a, it's an education like most of these things are yeah i wonder just if part of that is being in london well i know i think yeah you're right it's the macbook it's that people troll for that kind of technology i guess um yeah well it was quite funny yeah. when i when i was thinking about where i was going to sell it and I, and I thought, oh, well i'll probably put it on there but i'm, I'm going to expect to see a lot of nonsense and uh, I've, I've had a lot of nonsense. That's too so, bad. 
I, uh, I was going to ask if you have um, that next door in the UK. We, we do. Um, I actually turned it off because I found it very noisy. Um, but that's actually not a bad shout. Try that out. It just has that like local selling, but probably less um, people targeting it for malicious buying. Plus, I think that one will only show like, I, I don't know if anyone can search the marketplace, so you might run into similar things there. What could be worth a shot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my other option is I'll just go to, a, to an Apple reseller or an Apple store and just um, um, trade it in and get something else. Which is what I want to do anyway. <laughs> So, <laughs> what would you get? But, what but would you, you get next? Yeah, I, I'm I'm very keen to get a um, iPad Mini, the new one, because I read. I've I've had an old one for years. Uh, I mean, I think it's an iPad Mini two or a three. Um, that I only read Kindle books on because you pretty much can't do anything else on it. It's it's too slow. Like if I if I have like an idea to to write a task down. It's almost quicker to walk downstairs and get my phone and do the other task than it is to load up, load up reminders, the app, um, on that phone on that iPad. It's it's that it's that slow. So um, for year for ages I've been looking at the iPad Mini, but it's it's you know depending on what you're spending, it's maybe four hundred and seven hundred pounds. I, I could buy a Kindle for, for probably two hundred pounds. Um, but what I've been thinking about is I use my now that there's been, there's been some changes in the recent release of, of the iOS and the OS um, where you can have um, my iPad next to me like it is now on the phone with you on my iPad and I can be on my on my Mac and I can literally just take the mouse and scroll all the way across to the left onto my iPad and I can do something on my iPad and come all the way back. And I never thought I'd actually use that, but I use that a lot. So I'll have like my Apple Notes open and I'll be typing away. But now the key, I haven't got my keyboard on my iPad at the moment. It's just on my normal reading cover. And I'll just want to, and I'm looking at my notes on my iPad and I just want to make a note change. And before I'd have to like open the notes back on my, on my, um, on my Mac. And now I can just make the edits straight down my, on my iPad. And they're all in sync anyway, so it, it's it's just about making it easy. And if I really need a second screen, which sometimes happens, like if, I, if, if I'm sitting downstairs in the dining room, like I am now, I can just connect my iPad to be the second screen. And that just works. Um, so, so but, the, but then the challenge is I'm trying to use my iPad to take notes, but I can't take notes on it if I'm using it as a second screen. So the iPad mini is at that stage maturity-wise where I can use that to take quick notes with my pencil or draw something quickly. And, and that's, that's why I'm interested in doing it. Um, so, and then I, because I haven't, so, so my other problem is my iPad mini 3, for some reason, the Kindle app no longer works. So if I launch it, it just dies. So I've been reading with my iPad with my iPad Pro in bed, and it's painful because it's, it's you know it's it's 
I won't say it's double the size, but it's just just bigger. bigger. Um, and I've noticed that just having it, just the length of reading is is that much longer that you get tired more quickly. And the weight is just that heavier that your wrist gets sore. Um, so that's the other reason, is I want to get back to, to a nice, small, neat device. And then my kids can have the iPads. And they've got the, their uh, YouTube and um, Netflix and Amazon Prime playing device, which, uh, which also helps. Yeah, well, it sounds like you you figured out a few different uses for it. So justified. Sounds <laughs> like it's justified. Well, <laughs> normally when I, before I make a purchase, I, I really like hold off for at least a month or two. So like when I, I was ready to buy it three months ago, like I was literally running around Johannesburg trying to find one, but they, they because of the chip shortage and being South Africa, there were huge delays, so I couldn't buy it. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. Then I'll just wait till I get back to the UK. And if I still want it, then I'll get it. Now we're back, and I've waited another month, and I keep coming back to, I really wish I had it. You know, if I had it, I could do this thing. Now now I'm back to exam pads and moleskins and diaries and stuff. And I'm just finding that so frustrating because you write something in a diary, and then you can't remember um, which diary you put it in because I, I have a few of them all over the house because of where I'm working. Um, and then also my handwriting on paper, um, I can't type next to it to say what to, to, to clean it up. Or like if I use Scribble, Scribble cleans it up for me quite nicely. And it's those things that just bug me now. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, that's my plan is to, is to get the iPad mini. Uh, and then my next plan after that is to get an Oculus headset. And then I think I'll have all my gadgets for the year. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. Do you uh, do you have a plan for how you'll use the Oculus? Um, so, so initially it'll just be exploratory, but I, I would like to do try and get someone else who's got an Oculus to try and see if we can do some sort of face-to-face call or, or avatar-to-avatar call. I think that would be really cool, or some sort of collaboration thing. I think that's 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 something that I want to see how far away with off-the-shelf software we are from that. Um, but other than that, I just want to just want to get my head into it, see what it's like, just explore it as a, as a thing. And I think um, it's one of those those technologies that once you've got it, you can start seeing more uses for it. Because at the moment, most of my my thoughts about it are based on my opinion of what I think you could do with it. And I want to, I want to change that up a bit. Yeah. No, I think that's right. The, um, you don't really know until you experience it, which I think is something that folks in the VR space have been saying for quite a while. Anyway, that, um, you know, once you experiencing it and believing it, right. So, um, yeah, exactly. Well, you had sent some, it seems like Airbnb is getting some positive press for their approach to hybrid work. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, so, so they had um, five bullet points. Uh, let me bring them up quickly, um, which I think are the, 
whoever's done this, however they come, but they have done it in, in such a positive way. Um, and it's basically giving employees, I mean, if I had to sum it up my depression, um, pretty much freedom to be adults. Uh, so the first point is you can work from home or the office. Second point is you can move anywhere in the country you work in and your conversation won't change. You have the flexibility to travel and work around the world. We'll meet up regularly for gatherings. We'll continue to work in a highly coordinated way. So, um, you know, those, those are the five bullet points. I'm quite lucky where I am. I mean, we, we pretty much work this way anyway. But to go out and publicly say that, I think we'll, we'll from a perception point of view, will get them a lot of focus and attention, which it has. I mean, obviously, this has been on LinkedIn, and this article's come up again and again in various places. Um, so I don't know what you think on those five bullet points. Yeah, in a way, it seems very common sense or like none of these ideas are wholly new. It's just I think the why they're getting attention now is you're right, they've put this out there publicly and have kind of drawn that line because I think there are certainly companies operating this way, but the question is, will they continue to operate this way or will things change? Um, or there's still, you know, a lot of organizations I think are still sorting through what some of these will look like, right? Even, um, I guess the one that strikes me is that you can move anywhere in the country you work in and your compensation won't change because that's been something that we've seen discussed as well, especially, um, you know, firms in large cities saying, yeah, you can go move out to the country, but we're going to drop your salary as a result. So. Um, but I think in the, you know, it decoupling those things, um, seems like the way of the future. Yeah. So, so the, um, there was a company here, a law firm, in fact, that said they were going to take for the, for the employees that work from home, they're going to take 20% off their salaries. Now there's always being a, loading supposedly if you work in london that adds 20 percent to your base salary because it's so expensive to commute to and blah 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 blah, blah. um i think fr from a morale point of view that'll that'll kill a, an already um i don't say dubious business but you know these are people that are that are billing by the hour um you know starting salaries are pretty high as it is and you're going to take away 20 percent of a large number um They'll go somewhere else, um, and I think that'll decimate that business. Um, and I think that's what this comes down to in a lot of respect. You, you're paying people not not where they live and where they actually work. You're paying them for knowledge and skills, and I think that's what it should be about. So I think this is great. I mean, I, it was funny. I, I, I mean, one of my staff members today was was telling a story about how she was talking to one of our new starters, and the new starter was asking if she's going to come to Bangalore anytime soon and she said oh, I'm actually coming next week and I was like oh that's interesting um, are you just going to work from from there she goes yeah like, okay fine no problem it would have been nice to sort of know but uh, you know to be fair I don't really care um, because you know she's she she does her work she's you know all about results and um, you know she's originally from there so, you know, you probably assume that, that you'll have the infrastructure, all the setup there, 
anyway. Um, now, the thing you've got to watch for with this sort of stuff, and, and this is what they, they sort of say as the fifth bullet point, is we'll still work in a coordinated way. So, sure, if you want to work from, if you would like, this, this lady's going from, from Europe to, to India. If you want to do that, that's fine. But then your work, has, your work doesn't suffer. I mean, and I, you know, we did this a lot in South Africa. We would go away down to the coast or we'd go to the bush and I would work to the point of getting my work done and then we'd enjoy where we were. And I think that's, that's perfectly fine. I think that's, and that's what they're saying here, which I think is, is pretty, pretty mature. Yeah, I think that, that is, um, that is key. And yeah, I mean, it, it is, um, you know, the flexibility to travel and work around the world. It's, you know, the, the nice part of that is that in the like traditional work model, right? You work your, until you're 65 or however old, and then you retire. And then that's your chance to travel around the world. Um, so how many people don't make it to 65 or, you know, are, have health problems by the time they're that age or just, would have enjoyed it more if they could have done it when they were younger or at least spread out some of this travel time, right? So they could travel to more places. So I think flipping those things around um, is, it, it, you know, it makes sense from a, you have one life to live, um, spend, it, spend time doing things you enjoy, even though you're in your working life period, which is, you know, the largest time chunk of your life. Yeah, well, that's that's what I mean. If you read the Four Hour Workweek, that's what it was all about: mini retirements, um, and getting out and doing those things. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people you're almost conditioned that you've got to work your whole life and then go on, and then use your retirement to go on vacation. And if you read any of the press at the moment here in the UK, there's a huge thing about cost of living, and People are saying that their pensions won't be enough when they get older if the costs keep going this that route. And that's that is one of your challenges is you need to honestly save. Now we we talked about some of the products that are available and, and you know nowadays you can find many ways to save and to invest and all the rest of it. But at the same type same token, your investment should be also in using your your income or wealth, or whatever, to get your experiences done because you, you don't know how much longer you've got. Um, and that's what the pandemic, I think, has, has to a large extent pushed people to do um, to, to maximize their time. Yeah, I think it was a wake up call for sure. Um, maybe just back on the the compensation not changing and the, the ability to move anywhere at that point. What interests me there is the potential for that to kind of restructure cities and towns and um there's kind of two consequences of this right so if you're making like a london salary and you go move out to a small town and all the people from london who are making you know huge salaries move out and their salaries stay the same and they can live somewhere more rural does that push out does that you know raise the price of homes does that push people out of that community um or on the flip side, or kind of a different view of that, are there places like, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, towns in the U.S. where there was, it was like a, a coal mining town or, you know, there was an industry there that's gone away or people have, you know, steadily 
lost jobs in that area. Um, but there's not really anything else to revitalize the economy there. Um, and that's where some cities have been incentivizing remote workers to come and, you know, use their money in that local economy to see if that would help revitalize it. So I know it's interesting to think about the, um, if you don't change the salary to adjust to where you live, how that could change the landscape of those areas. Yeah. Um, well, we, we've seen it here. Uh, what's the area? I think it's Cornwall. Even before the pandemic, they were, it was quite a heavy drive to bring fiber to the house there or to and, and invest, invest in connectivity to make it appealing for people to come and live there. I mean, people in Cornwall normally go there for the, the, um, this, this sort of summer season because it's quite pretty and it's got good beaches and good restaurants and all that sort of stuff. But then after that, it, when the weather's bad and, and it gets into winter, then it's only the residents. And it's not to say there aren't a lot of people living there. But the biggest problem they have is connectivity. Now, uh, I think you, what you're saying actually did happen, and, and, and I know it happened in the UK because it's going on at the moment. There are a lot of people buying houses. And usually when you, when you sell a house, and I say usually, um, you can negotiate down on the price when you're buying. Not at the moment. Now people are getting much more than what they're asking for because it's a bidding war. And there's such a, there's such a shortfall of stock, especially in the, the three-bedroom range because that's what most people are looking for um, because of what happened during the pandemic and getting out of London and, realize, and also now having this ability to work from home and to not be in the office every day. Um, they want to have the space. In fact, I, I had a, I've got a friend who we were talking about this, this last week. And I mean, he lives right in the center of London. And yes, he likes it because he can walk to work and he likes it because he's, you know, got the London vibe. But he's scared of another lockdown. And even if it's not in the next year or two, or it's, you know, there's a, there'll be some other disease that'll come along or some other thing. And he wants the space because it's you know two of them and a dog, and he didn't want to get in, and he lives in an apartment. And you know he had some good points about being close to the office and and talking face to face and all those things. Um, and I said to him, well, you can still get that. You just you just commute an hour each way instead of instead of for two hours each way. You just don't do and you just don't do it every day. You know that's that's the difference. And you you know I have a very nice lifestyle where I live because we set up routine-wise, to do certain things because now we have the time because we're not trying to catch a train every early in the morning and, and get home for dinner and bath time and all that sort of stuff. You know, kids see us and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, it'd be very hard to trade that sort of thing up for a new role where you have to be in the office five days a week or you're forced into an office. Yeah, I mean, it ultimately takes up more time. Um it turns the 40-hour work week and adds, you know, another 10 hours of sweet time on top. So that's pretty significant. Well, I mean, this is what my wife and I are discussing. I mean, you could sit, if you get on a train, you could sit and work there. Yes, there's Wi-Fi. You've got connectivity. You've got a laptop. You, you can do your stuff. But you're still stressing about getting to the station, getting a ticket, getting on board. Um, and that, that, that's, a, that's decisions you're making that fatigue you. Then you're on your way in. Then you're going to navigate London. So you've, you're losing all this time to get to to get to the meeting a meeting 
for an hour for someone to talk to you face to face because they want to meet you face to face. Now, I'm not saying there's no value in that, but if that's what, all the reason you're going in, now you're going to come all the way back out again. That's another hour, hour and a bit to come back. And it just doesn't feel worth it in some sense, unless you now, now you want to try to stack your day with as many things as you can in, in a row to, to make that time valuable. Yeah. Um, and and I just yeah, um, I find it bizarre that there are people pushing for it, and the technology makes it, it doesn't solve all the problems, but it solves such so many problems that the 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 problem of not doing face to face is almost, in some respects, less important because you get so many other benefits. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. We keep seeing productivity go up and up and. A lot of that is due to technology. I mean, shared files, cloud docs, personal computers—it's efficient. Yeah, well, exactly. Sorry, I do need to run. But but if if you look at, I mean, I, I was thinking about it now. Like, if I wanted to play, if when I first moved in, I wanted to play sport, and I had to play sport right next to where I either commuted to, or right next to where I lived, because there was no time. To go further than that it had to be within walking distance and all that sort of stuff, which limits your options dramatically. Um, and I'm and I, you know, because we're at home all the time, and I'm not saying working at home is the only option. I mean, you can work in a in a satellite office that's near your house and commuting all the way to a central location, um, or you could do um, you know one of these shared working spaces or whatever it is. If you don't want to work from home, per se. But because you're not commuting and wasting a lot of time commuting and getting very far from where, you, where your life is, you can actually start investing in your communities. And this is what you were saying in another way. You know, my, my cousin is down the road. He goes for, for a beer at the same pub every Thursday. Okay, fair enough. He works in the area and all the rest of it. But, you know, in the houses we've lived in in the UK in 10 years, we've never built any relationships in our community because we've always been in London. Mm. And... When you come home, then what you do is you basically on the weekends you get out of where you live to go and explore. So you actually have nothing in that area that that, that holds you in there. But now because you're spending so much time in this in your home area, you know you start having friends, you start having social circles, your kids start you know if you've got kids they start getting involved in stuff. It it makes it more fulfilling, in a lot of respects. Um, sorry, I need to finish on that thought because I am now five minutes late. Oh shit! Okay. Over. <laughs> Well, Heather, it was good to catch up. Yeah. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye, Ryan. Cheers, Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.